0: It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, but it is Thursday, October 21st, 10 days away from Halloween, man. We got a football Halloween, a Sunday Halloween this year. Not gonna lie, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm gonna set up, like, a outdoor TV, yeah, do, it, do it in the driveway somehow, have the games on, giving out adult uh, Halloween stuff as well, beverages, you know. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for it definitely excited for. I'm also excited for week seven of the NFL season, of course, kicking off tonight uh, with the Browns and Broncos. Uh, But of course, on today's show, we're going to break down wide receiver cornerback matchups for you for this week. Another week where and maybe it's just the state of cornerback right now in the league where there are a lot of matchup upgrades. There aren't as many downgrades, but there are some key downgrades that we'll get into here course if you want all this information you can head on over to ftnfantasy.com check out the wide receiver cornerback matchups tool you can check out the shadow coverage index the advanced dvp that's defense versus uh, position test to see how how uh, opposing teams are faring against wide receivers who are lined up at the slot on the left on the right And, of course, we have that in the advanced wide receiver cornerback matchups tool as well. So, it really, just a suite of tools that are sweet. See what I did there? Over at ftnfantasy.com. Promo code RATPACK. All right, here we go. Matchup upgrades for this week. I am looking at DeAndre Hopkins, of course, revenge game narratives aside, and actually Christian Kirk as well. But let's talk about Hopkins first and foremost. It's not the target monster season that we had hoped for. Now, a target monster, you know, I I can use really kind of two rough approximations there. One would be averaging at or above uh, 10 targets per game. That's that's a monster, and only a few players will do that, but Hopkins has been able to do that in the past. Now, if it's not that, then we could also look at target share, and we're talking about a receiver who's well over 25%, probably more like over 27%. Anybody who approaches thirty percent is officially an absolute monster. But in Hopkins' case, well, it's only at twenty and a half percent so far this season. Now, that's not a terrible number, but it isn't a target monster number. It's not what we're kind of looking for. Uh, but he's surging over the last two weeks. Three scores over that span, and you know what I love about this. Now, I don't always love this for for the. Arizona Cardinals, but he lines up on the left 80% of the time. Now, that means I know who he's going to face, though. He's going to face almost exclusively Desmond King. Uh, King has only managed tight coverage on 8% of his targets so far this season. Uh, That is not That means Hopkins is going to be open in this one, and Hopkins Hopkins isn't the type of player to get tons of separation anyway, but he should be able to at will here. Uh, Now, in terms of Christian Kirk, Over the last two weeks, he's actually equaled Hopkins in targets over that span, 10 catches for 114 yards and a score. Obviously, a little bit of it coming this past week, but regardless, he's running almost exclusively out of the slot. Tavari Thomas out of the slot is the matchup that is a plus there for Christian Kirk. Uh, So this is a week where I would... You know, potentially be considering him in redraft leagues. Remember, I'm talking to two audiences on this show. I'm talking to DFS folks, and I'm also talking to redraft folks. In redraft this week, you can't be choosy. You really can't. I look at wide receivers outside of the top 40 and it gets dirty, like down and dirty and ugly very, very, very quickly. So I would consider Kirk as a starting option. Now, remember that it is Arizona. There's a lot of mouths to feed in any given week. Those targets could go away, so consider that. Uh, Jalen Waddle versus Atlanta coming off that massive performance last week. The A dot is a little concerning for me. It's 5.6 yards on average. That's all the uh, targets are traveling, so it's short. But he's getting separation pretty consistently. 88% of his 50 targets. He has had at least one step of separation this season. Parker's on the men. It looks like he'll be back. Preston Williams could be back, but I still think we're going to see a lot of waddle. And in the slot, last time we saw Atlanta, they used Richie Grant in the slot, the rookie. He's really struggled this season. Now, he hasn't seen a lot of work. Only uh, four targets thrown into his coverage, but three of them have been caught for 70 yards and a score. So a favorable matchup there. Uh, for Waddle. Tyreek Hill, of course, every week we're using him in season long, but DFS worth considering this week. He is a little dinged up with the quad injury, but played through it last week. I wouldn't expect him to uh, sit this week. It's the matchup against Tennessee. Now, he moves all around the formation. He has been in the slot more than anywhere else, 56% of the time but he's going to see some Janoris Jenkins, who has been very favorable for opposing receivers in terms of big play. He'll see uh, Elijah Molden in the slot. He'll see Brayon Borders on the outside as well, but just across the board, it's a nice matchup, and we saw what uh, what Buffalo was able to do against this Tennessee secondary, so you can only imagine what. Uh, you know what Kansas City can do. How about Robert Woods and Cooper Cup? It's both. We know Cooper Cup's an absolute stud, but this is a week where I am pretty bullish on Robert Woods as well, facing Detroit and the Detroit secondary. I mean, they've been scraping the bottom of the barrel, and and it gets even worse. I mean, you could you could argue that Cooper Cup has the single best matchup on the board. It, it's partially to. It's not just oh he's going up against a a, a poor corner which he is when he's in the slot. It's A.J. Parker. A.J. Parker allowed an 88% catch rate this season. But it's also the skill level of Cooper Cup. He's just been phenomenal getting open like crazy. But I also really like Robert Woods on the outside. Detroit's been using Jerry Jacobs. They actually used him as shadow a little bit last week, which was surprising. And then Amani Oruwariye. Both of those guys are very, very beatable. And so, I mean, even in DFS, I guess you could consider Van Jefferson as as a dart as well, like a punt play. But um, either way, uh, love this matchup for the Los Angeles wide receivers, the Jared Goff revenge game. Oh, how sweet it is. But we're using those guys. All right, let me take a quick break. I still have more upgrades. Like I said, plenty of upgrades on the docket today. So after the break, a few more of those upgrades, then we'll hit the downgrades. There's an old adage I use in fantasy football. It's somebody has to catch the ball. And this applies when you have a team who really has very few weapons. You know, in the case of Detroit, that was the argument for TJ Hawkinson as a very strong play or a very strong option to draft this year. And and I know it's been up and down, but he plays tight ends, so deal with it. Uh, Brandon Cooks, though, is a prime example of that in Houston. Now, Davis Mills will play this week, will start this week. No Terod Taylor yet. But it doesn't really matter who's under center. You look, okay, so we just talked about DeAndre Hopkins' target share. Now, this isn't target share for the entire team, but it's target share among the wide receivers, all right? So, uh, uh, wide receivers for the Texans have seen uh, 108 targets on the season. You know how many Brandon Cooks has out of that 108? 57. That's over 50% of the wide receiver targets going to Brandon Cooks. He is the only show in town somebody has to catch the ball. He's also seen seen 738 air yards. It's a big-time number, means upside, fourth among wide receivers right there. And the matchup against Arizona is not intimidating. You you, You look at the secondary there, and the overall state of that defense is pretty solid. But you're on the outside. You're facing Marco Wilson and Robert Alford. Alford's been okay this year. I don't want to knock Alford, but when you're up against Marco Wilson in particular, and that's who Cooks will see, well over a third of his routes against. I mean, that's that's just prime opportunity right there. So I love this for uh, for Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown facing Cincinnati this week. Big playoff side, we know that. But when and this one comes down to like again, who are you facing on the other side of the field? Uh, I had a conversation recently with one of our guys who uh, charts for us for FTN Data, and uh, I was like, man, I just I, I want all my receivers to face Eli Apple. <laughs> That's what I want. And in this one, Marquise Brown moves around the formation, sure, but he does line up on the right 50% of the time so far this season. That is going to be put him up against Eli Apple. On the season, Apple has only managed tight coverage on 11% of his targeted routes, so receivers are getting open against Eli Apple, and when you have the speed like Marquise Brown, I expect him to get open. A.J. Brown, we'll do another Brown here. A.J. Brown against Kansas City, and I'll tell you what, I was encouraged by what we saw out of A.J. Brown against Buffalo. I know he didn't get in the end zone, but overall, his best performance this season, from what I've seen, and healthy, and Julio Jones isn't, and the matchup's great. So one plus one equals two in this instance here. Uh, He'll move around the formation, but most of his routes have been either at right wide receiver or in the slot. That will put him up primarily against Mike Hughes, who I guess you could say is the best corner for the team, but that's not really saying a ton there for that secondary. And then Legarius Sneed, love the matchup here for A.J. Brown this week. Devontae Adams every week is in play, obviously, for season long, but DFS against this Washington secondary. William Jackson allowing four scores in his coverage this season and uh, 15.2 average depth of targets. So, big play upside galore there. Marquez Callaway. Now, he'll still be the. I have no idea when Michael Thomas is going to return, and I don't know if Tra, uh, Traquan Smith is going to be activated this week. So, hey, Callaway is still the lead guy. Jameis Winston targeting him on average 14.8 yards downfield. He's facing DJ Reed, who, you know, especially in those downfield 50 50 balls, DJ Reed is not doing good in contested situations. Seven catches on nine contested targets so far this season. Callaway should have, uh, well, he has upside. It's, the volume's always an issue with him, but I'm banking on bigger plays here. How about Allen Robinson? He's a little dinged up, but against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, speaking of dinged up, Richard Sermon doesn't look like he's going to play. They've already, you know, and and he was already a replacement for Carlton Davis, who is on injured reserve. Uh, Last week, we saw D. Delaney out there. I had to do some deep diving on D. Delaney. He's allowed five catches on six targets for 76 yards and a score. Of course, when Allen Robinson's in the slot, he'll get to face Ross Cockrell as well. Uh, Let's go to the downgrades for the week. DK Metcalf gets a downgrade really for two reasons. Obviously, Geno Smith is a downgrade across the board for that team. And then on top of it, he is almost certainly going to be shattered by Marshawn Lattimore. Now, if this was a year ago, I would not be intimidated by Marshawn Lattimore. And to be fair, Marshawn Lattimore is allowing 18.6 yards per catch, but he's also allowing just a 42% catch rate. So that's that's the rub. He's been in tight coverage on 42% of targeted routes. I had somebody say, you know, the other day, like, well, shouldn't that number be higher? No, this is targeted routes. It's not routes covered. That's an enormous number right there. Like nobody has a. Oh, he's in tight coverage 100 of the time. He's he's targeted those those uh, situations. They're not targeted, and he's only seen 26 targets on the season. Let's be fair about that. So the moral of the story: Marshawn Lattimore is playing very good football. <laughs> that's that's the moral of the story. Uh, Corey Davis downgrade I we didn't see a shadow the last time these two teams met but I do think we we see that this week uh with JC Jackson that has been the pattern for a good chunk of the season here as uh you know they've sort of had a little bit of a rotation but Jalen Mills now is the other outside corner uh, and then Jonathan Jones has typically been man in the slot but I think we see JC Jackson traveling with Corey Davis in season long you have to use Corey Davis very likely this week and DFS, no, I'm not using Corey Davis. I mean, that's the moral of the story on this one. Jackson has done a pretty good job. Now he's is he an elite player? I, I wouldn't say he's, you know, he's the next man up in that line of like elite corners for that uh that team, you know, the next Stefan Gilmore. I don't I don't think so, but still doing a pretty good job overall. And the more important factor here is if you are Zach Wilson, and you're looking across the line and you see JC Jackson, who has three picks and six pass breakups on 39 targets this season. Where are you gonna throw the ball? You're probably gonna throw it away from him. So he's been very effective in that regard. Uh Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and Hunter Renfro against the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, their secondary is pretty good. I mean, surprisingly good. This has been a weak link for the team. You bring in Steven Nelson and, you know, let Darius Slay do what Darius Slay does, and things have sort of galvanized for this team, which is very good, very solid. Uh, Slay so far this season, he, I mean, he's allowed 7.4 yards per catch. He's keeping everything in front of him. Steven Nelson has allowed two scores in his coverage, but overall, he's doing a nice job. He has made a play on 10% of the, the balls thrown into his coverage as well. Two picks and a PBU on the season. Overall, solid there. This is a challenging one across the board. Navante Maddox is not too shabby in the slot as well for this team. This is a challenging matchup across the board for uh, the Raiders' pass catchers. Jacoby Myers facing the Jets. Uh, Michael Carter the second. For the Jets. I mean, we've we've a lot of our focus for fantasy purposes has been on the other Michael Carter, but Michael Carter the second has done a very nice job for this team being put in a pretty tough spot. I mean, on paper, this was one of the league's worst secondaries heading into the season. And heading into the middle part of the season, they're not the best, but they've been one of the better. Surprisingly enough. It's a tough matchup there for Jacoby Myers, I am absolutely using him in season long. I am not using him in DFS this week. Sterling Shepard versus Carolina. There's no Canarius Tony here. It does look like we'll get Darius Slayton back this week. I thought we were going to have him last last week, but he did not manage to get back on the field. The challenge here, you're dealing with, uh, well, Dante Jackson you have AJ Bouye, who surprisingly enough, I didn't give him credit enough credit coming back and, and playing at this point in his career. Well, not coming back, but getting on the field, he's been manning the slot for this team too. So that's where the thing where things become challenging for Shepard. He has run seventy three percent of his routes out of the slot. Uh, Devontae Smith against the Raiders. The Raiders played inspired football last week, and uh, and for Smith, it's it's a challenge. Not only I've mentioned this, I believe, yesterday on the podcast, of the quarterback not being especially accurate, but then you're also dealing with on the other side a pretty good secondary, where Casey Hayward has been playing his out of his mind uh, this season. If we, I, I don't think we see Hayward's shadow. Although remember regime change even if it's interim, can shift shake things up. We actually saw that in the offensive side of the ball a little bit last week. Can shake things up. I don't think Hayward shadows, but at the same time, Smith is going to see his fair share of Hayward, which is pretty challenging. So, again, not a DFS play, but a guy you probably have to play in season long with this many teams on by. All right, that wraps it up for today. I'll be back tomorrow. We will talk some matchups for you. Get you all set up for week seven fantasy football. And, of course, we also do that over at FTNFantasy.com. I'm at JeffRackliff on Twitter, at JeffRackliff on Instagram, and I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.